Welcome to the Storyform Podcast, where we journey together at the intersection of faith and story. I'm your host, Will Chenault, Soul Care Pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Let's get this conversation started. Welcome to the Storyform Podcast. Today, I have as my guest, um, colleague, friend, Amy Reagan. Amy is the director of our women's ministry, and Amy is going to come on, and I've invited her on the podcast really to talk about two things. One, I want to talk a little bit about her story and just to get to know her a little bit better for our listeners to hear a little bit about her life, to hear about her story. And secondly, uh, I want to talk about Amy's vision for women's ministry. Um and so I'm excited to have you. Amy, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So the very first question, Amy, is we're going to talk about your deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> you warned me about this and I have to go. <laughs> so the first question. Okay. Um, we are going to talk about Amy's story. So I think most people know this, but there's a, probably a majority of people that don't know that you are a twin. You think so? My favorite part about being a twin in Jackson is that some people still don't know. And mm-hmm. the stories are hilarious because some people know that we are twins and they go, oh my goodness, I can't tell you apart. Some people know us both and don't know that we're even sisters. Uh-huh. So it's hilarious. <laughs> my favorite story is Lynn McCarty, who had a whole conversation with, with Karen and thought that I was pulling her leg the entire time. <laughs> so it's fun. It is yes. fun. We're not from here. We're uh-huh. from Gallatin, uh-huh. which is north of Nashville. Mm-hmm. And my sister jokes because she said that I prayed her back to West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We went to UT Martin. Mm-hmm. And she said, she lived actually in friendship for a short period of time when we first got married. And I do need to say this. This is another factoid that you might want to know about us. Mm -hmm. We got married together. We had a double wedding. Did you know that? I never knew that. (laughs) So they got engaged in March and we got engaged in May and we had a double wedding in October. Oh, wow. So my parents are divorced. So my stepdad walked me and my dad walked my sister. Oh. And we did vows, vows, rings, rings, the whole nine. So was that something that from little no. that y'all had planned? No, this is something that, you know, everyone has seen the parent trap if you're of a certain age. Yes. And there's certain things as a twin you say you'll never do. And I did it. Yeah. We had a double wedding and it was so fun. It was awesome. But they got married uh-huh. and moved to friendship and we moved to Memphis because Stan was starting med school. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's a small town. Mm-hmm. And after a while, they moved back to Gallatin, our hometown. And... To kind of fast forward what we were doing, med school was first, then we did residency in Chattanooga. We were there for five years, and then we went to Guam for three mm-hmm. years with the Navy. <clears throat> and so when I was leaving, I looked her straight in the eye. I said, I'm going to pray right now that we move to West Tennessee together. We live on a compound, and our kids you know, get to grow up together. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you can start praying now. I'm not moving back to West Tennessee. If I go anywhere, I'm going to Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Great. So she beat me here about, about a year and a half. And so she works for Leaders Credit Union mm-hmm. and they live in Bells. We don't, or in Alamo. They don't, we don't live on a compound, but our kids are in school together. So the Lord's good. Wow. He's so faithful. And I never so, knew that. Yeah. I never knew that there was a double wedding. There was a double wedding. Wow. And our kids too, they're, you know, we go on and on because our kids are, our, their birthdays are almost the same. Okay. A year apart. Oh. So yeah, we're cheesy as they come. <laughs> 
So you give us a little bit of history, Gallatin, mm-hmm. um, UT Martin, mm-hmm. uh, your husband stands, a physician, right. uh, went through uh, the Navy, did medical training through that, mm-hmm. um, had to serve time within. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Served time, served time within, time, within yeah. the. Pound of flesh. The, 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 Navy. the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. his residency in that yeah. setting. Um, tell me a little bit about your faith story. How did, how did you come to know Christ? That's a great question. So I was one of those kids raised in the shadow of the church. So every time the doors were open, um, we were in church. We went to the first Presbyterian church on main street in Gallatin, which was where my grandparents were and all the extended family. Half of our, half of the church was our family. Um, and I was there every Wednesday night. My parents were involved in every aspect of leadership. Um, but I would say most of that was tradition. Like, not unlike most people, I understood God was good. I really didn't understand the gospel. And I really just had a conversation with my mom and my aunt last weekend. My aunt also was raised in the church. And they, she just was confessing that she didn't really understand the gospel until she was older. And there's this great story of... Um, Tim Keller talking about plant pastors and they would interview all of these plant pastors or these churches, uh, these pastors that were looking to plant churches. And they said, I was raised in the church, but I never heard the gospel. And all of these um, pastors that were interviewing were wringing their hands. And there was an emeritus pastor at the end. And he said, let's not assume the gospel was not being preached. Mm. Let's assume they just couldn't hear it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell you which was which. And even my aunt said, I'm not sure if the gospel wasn't preached or I just didn't understand what I was hearing, but I spent most of my life not really knowing. And if you'd asked me as a child, are you saved? I thought I would have thought that was a ridiculous question. How am I to know? Mm. Um, and then as, as high school and college came along, I was exposed to other churches. <laughs> I remember going to a tent revival mm. when I was a freshman in high school and being scared to death. Because the concept of the Holy Spirit, the concept of worship in that style really intimidated and overwhelmed me. But it also intrigued me mm-hmm. because I thought, what is, this, what is this part of God I don't understand? And so I went to a couple other churches while I was in high school. My mom would have told you at the time that I was just caught up in the teenage emotions of life. And, and, um, but there was just something that was different. And so when I was, I was christened as a child because I was raised in the Presbyterian church, but I chose to be baptized when I was 17 and, um, local Baptist church. And at the time we didn't tell my grandmother (laughs) because, because she was Presbyterian. She would have thought that that was ridiculous, but it really was kind of the beginning of dominoes in our whole family that we all kind of came to the believers baptism separately and at different stages of our lives. Um, I'm a really big believer in discipleship because I didn't understand how important that was. So I floundered for a very long time. And it wasn't until Stan was in med school and we were married. And I don't think that's uncommon for most women that I thought, wait a second, what does this mean to follow Christ with my life? I'm an adult now. I'm no longer living my parents' faith. Now it's mine. Now what am I I supposed to do about this? So I remember there were a group of women that got together. They were med school wives. And they were were stronger in their faith than I was. There was something about them that I thought, I want. Um, I want what they have. And so not unlike most women, it was a Beth Moore Bible study. Mm -hmm. And it it was what I needed in that season. And so I did see my life start to come into order with that. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a slow process. 
um, I believe in the sanctification process. I said, if you try to take Amy Wilson before I was married and you said, okay, now make her into the image of Christ, it would have killed me, I know. Mm-hmm. And so there is a point that the Lord is so gracious and merciful to walk me through that and just this ever deepening love affair with Christ. Mm. So when you were uh, in med, when Stan was in med school, you were in Guam. Was it was it when you were in Guam that the that the women came uh, around you, or was it before? Great question. So that was in med school. So okay. that was the first four okay. years we were married, okay. and that was in Memphis. And then we had so Will was born while we were in Memphis. So Stan was in his third year of med school. I worked on the bond trading floor. Oh. That was that era of my life where Stan was in med school. And somebody had to make the money for us to be able to sustain our daily lives. And so I had this golden handcuffs job and there were a hundred brokers on the floor. And I was one of a few um, sales assistants that helped. And I was so over my head. I was an English major in the math world and I continued to climb that ladder, but I was absolutely miserable. And I remember thinking to myself, Lord, what do you have for me? Because Stan was in med school. Stan, the Lord, I mean, this, (laughs) my husband is someone who's known since the eighth grade what he was going to do. And the Lord was so faithful. Every step, the door opened. And here I was kind of beside him, running beside him thinking, is this what I'm going to have? And so Will was born his third year of med school and I cried every day Mm -hmm. thinking, Lord, why am I doing this? I want to be home with my child, but I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I prayed really hard when he matched for a residency that we would not stay in Memphis because I did not want to stay in that job. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is the break. I get to do something different. And I couldn't find another job. He did match for Chattanooga, but but I couldn't find another job. So they moved me to risk analysis. And they were so kind and generous. But I went from bond trading floor to analytics to a windowless office in this seventh floor, uh, you know, building in Chattanooga. And, um, about a year later I got pregnant with Jane Claire mm-hmm. and the Lord was so good because he gave me another job. And that job was a major gifts fundraiser for the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I loved that job. Mm-hmm. There were problems because it's a, a health system and it was big, but I learned that I love connecting to someone else's passion, mm-hmm. like their passion. What are you passionate about? What do you love? And connecting the projects and seeing some of that through to fruition. And then the list came with the Navy and they said, okay, these are your options. If you're going from residency into the Navy world, you have a few orthopedic practices that exist. There were some as close as Jacksonville, some that were in Bremerton, Washington, and there was one that it, that was Guam. And I remember saying, I don't care where we go, Stan. We're not going to Guam. Mm-hmm. And, and so we kind of thought, thought it over for a while. And there was this woman that lived at the very end of our street. And she was a Navy pilot's wife. She just happened to be in Chattanooga. He was, he was a pilot, but he wasn't even flying out of Chattanooga. He was flying out of like Tallahassee or something. But she befriended me and we walked and we talked. And she said, hey, I still have a, a friend that lives on Guam. Maybe you need to call her. So I said, okay, and it's 16 hours different. So orchestrating that call was tough. And she said, um, so we finally, I finally connected with her and I asked her what her thoughts were about Guam. And she said, this is the best choice we could have ever made for our family. Mm-hmm. And you remember here, I'm, I'm working, I'm working all of these hours, stands in residency. Our kids are in daycare. We live a kind of ragged life. Mm-hmm. And she said, I get, we live on base and I get to walk my kids to and from school every day. Wow. And I said, Okay, that's all I need to know. So we only put Guam down. It's funny how the Lord, all the nevers in life, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And we talk about Guam being the place that God really met us. Mm -hmm. 
because he slowed us down. And all these spiritual habits and holy habits that we talk about, disciplines, we needed that. We needed to strip our lives down Mm -hmm. so that we could only be focused on the things that matter. And so our lives really started from there. I would say that was a huge deepening point in our relationship with the Lord and each other Mm -hmm. for our family of four, too. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about your experience in Guam. You slowed down. Slowed down. Life became more simple. Simple. Um, Very simple. Did you have uh, people who were disciples, uh, discipling you, connecting Mm -hmm. with you? Tell me a little bit about that. That's an excellent question. So... We did. We slowed down. Um, the rhythms of life were just different. It's island life. You hear about island life, but even on in, on the base, it was similar. Um, I got to walk my kids to and from school. Um, our neighbors, everyone lived in what looked like housing projects. So our house was this concrete box with this oversized lid. We had from you know, like from mica '90s cabinetry. I had drop ceilings like you would in a school building mm-hmm. and tile floor. And so it's a great equalizer, really, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. And you couldn't tell race. You couldn't tell who was married to whom. It was very much a melting pot of society. Um, That was good for us, Mm -hmm. coming out of the South to kind of realize what preconceived notions we might have had. And so we had Thai women that cooked us dinner, and my kids called her auntie, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, it was beautiful. But there was a woman that lived across the street from me, kind of across the street and behind and she was solid. And I didn't have words to name who she was and what she did for me. But she was a strong believer. She homeschooled her kids. Her husband was strong. And there again, just something about her that I wanted to be near. And I remember she walked through some really hard things with me. And she st- you know, stood by my side. And we had this very small little body of believers that were worshiped in the chapel. I mean, to the point that some of us had to step up as lay leaders because there were gaps between chaplaincy. Everyone was Catholic. Also something I didn't have any education on before, but there was a very small Protestant community, very hodgepodge. I mean, you think, you know, when you think about who Christ called, it was us. We didn't match. We didn't come from the same areas of, of the country. We had different challenges. We were awkward in every possible way. But it was such a deepening relationship with other women. And so she, at one point, her husband said in our gathering that she was mentoring me. And I remember being offended by that at first. Oh, really? I thought we were equals. You know, I thought Mm -hmm. we were co-equals. I thought that we were walking this life. And in truth, that was not the case. And I needed her more than I knew I needed her. But also during that time, I opened our, my little concrete house and we had Bible study there Mm. and I hosted it for the entire duration and it kept getting bigger and bigger. I mean, when I say my living room was not bigger than this room and than your office, we had 20 women that would come because we were hungry and we were thirsty for what the Lord had for us. And I'll just love that the Lord gives you ministry even when you don't have maturity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you were willing. You were open. You were available. There were yeah. people that said, we're hungry for this. And you continued to do that throughout the time. How long were you there? We were there for three years. We were supposed to be there for two. Okay. But we loved it. Mm-hmm. And not only were we there in the island life and the slower pace of life, but we traveled a lot. Mm-hmm. 
So while we were there, we probably went to, I think it was seven different countries, anywhere from Australia to Thailand, Cambodia. And these are things that we would have said we had no interest in doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're not really interested in Asia, but proximity made us interested. Right. And so we got to see another side of the world and a non-believing world. And so that that exposure was priceless as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But three years, and I'll tell you during that time, and a lot of ladies have heard me say this, there was great growth and great pain. Mm -hmm. And the pain was growth too. Mm -hmm. But um, I was hurt by friends that I thought were going to be there and be for me. But really what the Lord was telling me is I had made friends with the world. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make friends with the world. I was trying to hold on to this group of friends and be part of the body. Mm-hmm. And it was it tore me in half. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then the women that I thought were a hodgepodge of women that didn't feel like they fit, they are my sisters in Christ and they are my lifelong friends. Wow. So the ones you thought were going to be right. the closest weren't. And the ones you thought weren't going to be the closest became lifelong friends. That's it. Yeah. And the Lord didn't let me choose friends for a while after that. Uh (laughs) I couldn't be trusted. So I would walk in a room and I'd say, I want to be friends with this one that I'm looking straight at. And he would tell me to turn around. And I think that's where my heart for women Mm -hmm. started. It also started from my own sin patterns, Mm -hmm. honestly, Um, multiple sin patterns, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the fact that while we were on Guam, um, I worked full time beforehand. So I worked from 15 up until we got to Guam. Was not working on Guam because because of the circumstances. Right. And so my job became cleaning my house. It was spotless. I mean, well, I cleaned the top of my washing machine. It was oh, wow. beautiful. I mean, people were going to have to walk by my washing machine to come in. So it had to be perfectly clean. And so I went through a lot of mask wearing with my house is going to be, I'm going to wear, I'm this perfect Christian woman. So that was, that started there or what I felt that there, um, also made the job of working out my first love. Hmm. So it became an idol, and it happened so slowly. Mm -hmm. Just like darkness, when it creeps into our lives, it happened so slowly, and I just got fixated. Hmm. I mean, it's a hot climate. It's 85 degrees. It's 85% humidity. You wore short shorts and tank tops Mm -hmm. every Mm -hmm. single day, Mm -hmm. and I started really fixating on that. And it almost took me down because what happens when you open up sin is other sin gets in. Mm -hmm. And so there was a point I remember I'd asked Dan for the probably 99th time that day about the way I looked or what do you think about, should I eat this or that or do this or that? And he said, Amy, he goes, "Um, the most attractive thing on a woman is her confidence Mm -hmm. and you don't have it. And so that really became something that I had to acknowledge in my life and I had to lay down that idol. Mm-hmm. And what I would say to you is it was great growth, but the Lord was also revealing the mm-hmm. things that I needed to surrender. It was just the beginning, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like that for all of us, we go through these places that are the desert yeah. and in the desert, there are things that are sh- stripped away and God woos himself to us. Mm-hmm. We think about in the old Testament, we think about Hosea yeah. You know, God says, I'm going to woo you. I'm going to win you back. But yeah. the way I'm going to win you back is through the desert. That's right. And it sounds like that was the experience in some way. There was goodness that that Absolutely. was there, but there was also part that I'm stripping this away. I'm stripping away these idols to refine you. Uh, I would, I would, I would think, uh, and, and, you know, don't want to speak for God, but sounds like he was doing that to prepare you for what you're doing now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would tell you, so 
It was the acknowledgement of my sin there. It was the acknowledgement of where I needed to be, where who I needed to be with. There were all of these beginnings. I would say the full reckoning hadn't come yet. Um, it wasn't until we got to Florida. So the next, so we did three years on Guam, and then we moved to Florida. Okay. We moved to um, Pensacola Beach area, and my kids went to this little insular school, um, five thousand. There are 5,000 people in, in the community in a little school called Gulf Breeze Elementary. So we lived in Gulf Breeze. Stan would drive 45 minutes to Pensacola. And he really was grieving the loss of Guam. And I was ready to leave. There had been things that had happened. I'm like, okay, it's time for me to go. And my kids were super adaptable, Will. Like, they just, they did so well in all the transitions. Will actually did really well in Gulf Breeze because um, his teacher he had for just a minute, I mean, literally maybe three weeks, called him Prez. Because he was a Reagan. Uh-huh. And so he so he got to be called Prez. And everyone wanted, one wanted to be friends with Prez. Oh, know? yes. And so um, he did great. Jane Claire did well. And I suffered mightily. I was incredibly lonely. Like lonely to the point that I was on my face begging the Lord. Lord, give me purpose. Give me community. I'm so, what, why? Again, you still have nothing for me. And there, if I'm honest, I did feel that way. And um, I went to this Bible study, and the women of our church would be absolutely shocked to hear this, but I went to this Methodist Bible study for six or seven weeks, and it wasn't until the last couple of weeks that I even spoke. I came in, I sat along the wall, and I know the Lord had so much purpose in that, that He just sealed my lips, and I just listened. And then at the end, I remember when I started to talk, people turning to look like, who is that? (laughs) <laughs> because I wasn't part of their circle. I was not part of Gulf Breeze. I was not a breezer. They would, they didn't know me. Um, and I had good people that were in my life there. Um, but the Lord just made me hungry, hungry again and just desperate. Lord, what do you have for me? And that's when I felt like the Lord said, start praying for the women that I will bring to you. And I thought he was talking about a personal training business that I was starting, um, faith and fitness, because I knew that women could not come to fit fitness without understanding that they had to keep their eyes on the Lord, that they could not make this an idol. And that's where I felt my calling was going to be next. Just be in their lives, talk about the Lord, keep that affront, you know, that afresh in their mind as they're training. Don't let them fall down the same holes you fell down. Hmm. And so I started, I started praying for that then. And I had no idea what (laughs) abundance the Lord had for me and the deep desires of my heart that he would answer in the right seasons, mm-hmm. when I was mature and ready. Right. And and I think there is, I've had this conversation multiple times just to say, I had lots of seasons of desert, lots of seasons of discontentment. Stan would tell you I cried a lot about the jobs and the work that I had and what he had for me. And now I just celebrate because the Lord was faithful. Yeah. He was doing something through he those times made, and through that season. Right. It sounds like a thread throughout the story is you always had women uh around you there was always a desire for connection bible study spiritual growth yeah yeah and you know that's something we talked about even this fall is what does it look like to be um, a follower of christ am i a milk drinker am i a meat eater but really at the end of the day we shouldn't be eating alone Mm -hmm. and when i was the most lonely i felt starved for that community i knew what i was missing Mm -hmm. you know and and I needed people to come around. And I also need to be pouring into someone else. Mm-hmm. And 
He just, that was a common theme. And, but I'll tell you what's really funny. And you've heard this story before, but I didn't know, I knew that was my arena. And because of many things, I only trained women. So before I came to work here, we, we started going to church at fellowship, um, six years ago. So we looked at one other church, maybe two, we came to fellowship. We knew this is our home. And, and the Lord did such a mighty thing. And I will tell you, because this is kind of a tangent, but Stan grew up at Northside Methodist. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, his parents were not attending Northside Methodist when we moved here. They were, t- they were attending Inglewood. And it only matters because his dad's Baptist and that's where they were. And Stan has said multiple times over, had he been, had his parents been at Northside, we would have been at Northside mm-hmm. because he would have returned to home, right? right? To, to tradition, but they weren't settled in their own, their home church. So it allowed us come, to come here. Mm-hmm. And so we were attending here, loving it. We were home group leaders. I was leading a Bible study. Uh, my kids go to USJ. So I was leading a USJ mom's Bible study. And I was, by the time I finished training, I was training about 19 women mm-hmm. in person and then online training as well. Wow. And I just felt like that was my niche. I mean, if you came to my garage, you knew we were going to talk about the Lord. Mm-hmm. At some point, I was going to make the conversation about the Lord. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you have to surrender. If you're going to keep training with me, mm-hmm. they just surrender to that. Mm-hmm. But they were helping me to grow even then. And I had women, and I will tell you, um, I won't name her name, but she'll know who it is, that also taught me what grace was like. She taught me what it looks like to have having gone through really serious brokenness in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And what she needed from the church mm-hmm. and the Lord, there were a couple of them like that. And I just listened, not knowing that I was going to have to apply some of the things that I learned, but even, even they helped me. And so, um, so I was happy. Business mm-hmm. was good. The Lord had answered my prayers here. I have this business. I showered so infrequently. I, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But at the end of the day, yeah. I was happy. The right. kids were happy. We had a nice rhythm. I was in fellowship you with Diane and Jane Campbell mm-hmm. and loving it. Just mm-hmm. feeling like I was just eating it up for myself. And one day I was um, leaving church and I had walked into the foyer about halfway towards the door, and I felt like I just heard this passing thought. And the passing thought was, would you consider working for the church? Mm-hmm. And, well, I just thought it was my own pride, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, because I thought that will never happen. I don't have those qualifications. I don't, have, I don't bear those credentials. Why would they even ask me to do that? Mm-hmm. But I remember physically shrugging my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Okay. What? Well, wow. about three days later, Diane just stopped me and asked me mm-hmm. the same question. Mm-hmm. And she said part-time because she knew I was busy. Mm-hmm. And I said, Diane, I have no idea um, how I could do it, but I know this is the second time I've heard the question. Wow. So my answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I would consider it. Mm-hmm. And so I remember we didn't talk for long. I didn't even know what she was talking about. Yeah. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And she'd asked me, uh, as part of my online training business, I wrote blogs. She asked me to send the blogs. Mm -hmm. She said, I'll share it with the pastors. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Which Mm -hmm. seems like the kiss of death. She's not calling me back. (laughs) You know, that's the reason. And um, it was months later. Um, Pamela had left. Mm -hmm. I knew Pamela had left, but there was no call. So I thought, okay, that's fine. And she called me back. She said, hey, you didn't send me your resume. I said, you didn't ask me for my resume. You asked me for my blog. She goes, I need your resume. And I don't know about you, but I don't delete 
any emails, but I'll always delete resumes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to redo a re resume mm -hmm. every single time. Mm -hmm. So I sent her a resume and came through the interview process. And the whole time I just kept saying, I'm just here for the, I'm here for the consideration. Right. You know, I'm here for the obedience. Like I'm obedient to come and sit across. I'm praying for the right woman too. I don't know who she is either, but whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, and originally um, it was, you know, part-time. And I said, okay, I'll consider that. And um, couldn't believe that I was hired either. Mm. Yeah, honestly, mm -hmm. when I, the rest of the church goes, I have some women that have been part of the ministry way longer than me. And when they pop my picture up, they said, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember thinking, they're thinking that. I know they're thinking that. <laughs> um, and so I came in and was part-time for a year. For a mm -hmm. year, I did both jobs, yeah. um, which is insane. I think I'm just a few years older now, and that feels exhausting. <laughs> and you've been here for... It, so this summer will be four years. Four years. So I've been here for four Christmas brunch brunches. That's how four, I measure Four oh, yes. Christmas yeah, brunches. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so... Yes. Yeah. So, Amy, I think... Um, you know, often our our stories and our passions intersect into a calling. Mm -hmm. And so I think about your story. I think about your passions. And when we think about this is my imprint, this is what I am bringing as a picture of the kingdom of God into the arena that God has called me. And that is that is unique. Uh, mm -hmm. I think unique as a as a, a fingerprint. You know, God calls us to unique works and those works are all together in the body and fit together for the building up of the body. Absolutely. And so when you think about women's ministry mm -hmm. um, and, and your role and your passion, how, how has your, your story and your passion interconnected to what you see as your vision for women's ministry? Mm, that's a great question. Well, I never did it alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a common theme for me here is I don't do any of this ministry alone. I knew maybe from the time in, in Chattanooga when I did uh, major gift fundraising that it took so many people to accomplish a dream and a vision. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I came from that. I also learned in that time to lead from behind. So there was a point where... I'll just tell you a brief story of there was a family that lost their daughter to neuroblastoma mm -hmm. and they raised money for children's hospital to have its own CT scanner. Well, that was a huge passion of mine and I wanted to see that come to fruition, but for them. And when it came together and the walls were painted and the CT scanner was in, no, no camera was ever turned towards me. No mic was ever put on me. It was for them. Mm -hmm. And so I look at ministry like that. Mm. It's, I'm, I'm just an integral part of it. I'm one puzzle piece. I'm one cog. And I've told a lot of women, I want this ministry to be strong enough that you could take me out at any point and no one would ever know the difference. Mm. So I'm passionate about women coming in for a personal ministry. Mm -hmm. If the Lord has put this on your heart, you are uniquely in position to do it. Not me. Mm -hmm. Just because I have the master key to the church doesn't mean that this is mine to do. So personal ministry is huge. Um, from that, we've seen Nayeen Houston develop mm -hmm. the ESL ministry. We've seen Alicia McKellarath step in with Whitney Gower to do a mom's club. We've seen, you know, these teams for the events. I don't do these events right. by myself. I have gifted people in their own calling doing what they're supposed to be doing. Wow. And um, it's still growing. Mm -hmm. It's still growing. Um, the Bible Recap came together this year because 
there were women that were faithful enough to say, this matters. I don't know how we're going to do it, Amy, but this matters. And yeah, there are administrative things that I have to be responsible for, but the Bible recap started with four or five women that acknowledged they were doing it together. And now it's over 250 women that we know of. This is not, you know, women that ask their husbands to listen along to or their fathers or their moms or whomever. And so I have to trust that the Lord has brought them here too for a reason. And it's cheesy, but we are better together. Absolutely. And I, I, need, I need them as much as they need me. And mm-hmm. we operate best when we are spurring one another on and encourage each other in the faith. And I do feel like we're stronger. Mm-hmm. But uh, this over the last four years, he's also been faithful to build brick by brick, step mm-hmm. by step. And I, I'm a big thinker. I like big ideas. And you know this. Mm-hmm. I like to dream big mm-hmm. and think about these grandiose ideas. And the Lord's really just been good to say, Amy, you might have the vision, but you have to follow me every single step. And there are other women that are saying the same thing and speaking those same things into my life. Um, I still have those women from Guam, the the ones that I call my mentors. Like I understand it and now I cherish it. I couldn't do this ministry. The FE2 team, they're with me every single week. Every single week they come into my office and we talk about things of ministry. The Bible study council that we have, they care about what studies we're picking, who the leaders are, who's in study, who's connected, who's disconnected. I don't have to do it alone because they are so uniquely gifted to make sure that we are. And so I believe in discipleship. Mm -hmm. I believe in personal discipleship and that I have a responsibility to be in a strong relationship with the Lord. And then I have a responsibility to you too. Mm -hmm. And you know, love God and love others. Mm-hmm. It's the mission statement, growing mm-hmm. compelling relationships with God and others that are irresistible. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. Well, and I've seen that, Amy, I've seen that in you. I've seen just what you've talked about, that you are somebody that knows how to set the table, mm. you know, and, and say, come and eat, you know, and, and set the table really well. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. And you could see that. You could see that thread throughout your story of of recognizing there's multiple people all along the way. And and I've I, I, I set set the ball up. I tee the ball up for other people uh, to to hit. And I think that's a unique thing. It's a beautiful thing. I think. Uh, fingerprints everywhere, name nowhere, mm-hmm. is a very very powerful vision for ministry. I also think, too, as I hear your story and know you and know about kind of the environment within women's ministry, I think you very much value let's let's create environments where people can be authentic and known and seen. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think that comes out of some of those lonely times that you did experience. I really long for these kind of relationships. Um, first of all, thank you. That means a lot. Um, and you know, it's funny, I, I'm, I'm going to give this back to you where credit is due because when we talk about relationships, I learned relationships through, through others. And it's funny because I would have said I was highly relational before I did story groups with you. Um, I'm an extrovert. Well, I mean, I don't meet a stranger and um, I can have enough vulnerability with anyone to connect with you and to know that I sincerely care about you. But there were areas where I wasn't going deeper. And um, when I did story groups with you, 
I realized like, oh, this is how you engage story. This is how you become a good listener. And then went on a way forward Mm -hmm. um, trip with Stan because that was a life-changing trip for him. And you did um, an interview with Todd Todd. Pinkston. Mm -hmm. Todd's an amazing individual. And and learned a little bit more and just felt compelled to keep going deeper. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I do believe that our job is to be in relationship with others and that it's found that life, that abundant life is found in relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think also hearing about the, the thread of your story of the fitness, um, realizing I'm, this is something that I'm, I'm going to redeem, that it's not going to be an idol, that it's going to be something that, that, uh, holds its place properly. Mm -hmm. And I think that carries over into the, ethos of women's ministry as well you know that that okay we're not going to be driven by these idols and we're going to try to work to dismantle and i've seen that in a lot of ways within the environment of just women getting together and saying yeah i struggle just as men just as all of us get together and say yes this is an idol within my life Mm -hmm. and i think part of that was the lord's preparing you Absolutely. And I think we've talked about this too, but there's, it's the posture of vulnerability for Mm -hmm. someone else to be for someone enough to be vulnerable. It's not transparency. Like you, like you joke when I sat Mm -hmm. down, you don't want to know my deepest, darkest secrets for real, but you do want me to be vulnerable enough that you can see the gospel lived out in my life. And the the Lord has written me into the narrative, just like Mm -hmm. he's written you. Mm -hmm. And I just love the collective story um, of all of us coming together and getting, Mm -hmm. getting woven together. It's funny that you should say a space for this to happen, these relationships to happen, um, because it's it becomes second nature for us because the women of fellowship do know kind of the rhythm, you know, the rhythms of Christian life and in community and small groups. But I'm part of a, a mom's group at Keep My Hood Good, and those things are not understood in the world, right? They're not they're not something that you that everyone understands, and so. Recently, we were there, and I looked at one of the other fellowship women, because there are several that, are, that go with me, and you go, what are we doing? And what we're doing is setting the table. Mm-hmm. And so thank you for the words for that, mm-hmm. that we're setting the table, we're creating an intentional space, we're open to listen to story, we're slow to respond, and every single week a woman comes, and she may not come again, that's the crazy thing, mm-hmm. and she'll minister to us, mm-hmm. and she'll, we'll talk about what matters. Um, and it has made a huge impact on my life. And and if you ask me, and, and I joke about this with friends, what is your ministry? Um, if you're talking about the crowd, the church, or community, and the core of the church, Amy, where do you love to be? I love being in the crowd. Mm-hmm. I love being on that gospel ring that mm-hmm. can go inside the church and outside the church. I love that because I was of the world for so long. Mm-hmm. There is a point that like you were saying, those things that I recognize and see, mm-hmm. um, the Lord maybe gave me a heaping helping of grace, and mm-hmm. I operate well in that. Um, but my my ministries, my personal ministries, are often marginal. Mm-hmm. Um, those that are disenfranchised, those those kingdom ministries that take the long road of endurance. That's what I love. So if you see me outside in the community, there are these small ministries of grit that mm-hmm. I love, and that's why I want to be a part of. But I'm listening there to apply it here mm-hmm. more often than not because I just, man, they will speak such truths that we're not capable because we've not allowed that depravity to get to that level, but we can all taste it and know mm-hmm. that it's there in us too. Um, 
and that's been good. Um, mm-hmm. But I love the church, and mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge fan of the church. I believe the church. We cannot do it without each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, I can't remember the name of the speaker, and you may be able to come come up with his name. But when he's he's a, um, pa- a professor at Union, talking about linking arms. Uh, Ray yeah, Vaness. Yeah, Ray Vaness. Yeah. He was fantastic, yeah. and he just articulated what I felt in my heart. And I know you feel this way too. And he just said, "As Christians, that we can make it to heaven on our own, but we'll be battered and bruised." But what our job as a church is to be linked arm and arm, arm and say, I'm for you and you're for me and I'm not going to let you go out to here alone. Mm-hmm. And um, I, that's kind of shaped this year for me too, mm-hmm. um, that I just believe we can't do this without community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think you've seen that played out, Amy, and you've seen the, the Lord's goodness uh, in and through not only your life, not only through your story, but also through women's ministry here at Fellowship and all of the things that you're uh, describing of um, setting up this wide space for others to find their personal ministry and engage in that way uh, brings a a real uh, power Mm -hmm. and an ownership for others to say, I am operating in my gifts and I'm pouring my gifts out for the good of others. And also within all of those realms, whether it's an FE2 group or a mom's group or a, a Bible study, uh, or, uh, you know, a, a whatever other group uh, through the Bible study council, whatever that may be, there's a sense of saying we are, we're working to uh, live authentically before the Lord and each other in this compelling way. And we know that that's a process and we know that that, you know, is a, is a work of the spirit and that's a long, slow road. Uh, and yet we're seeing the fruit of that. And um, so I, I am, thrilled excited uh love having you as a co-worker and as a teammate and uh really just can't wait to see year after year how the lord will continue to bless uh women's ministry here at fellowship and has blessed your your life and your story thank you will yeah i appreciate you having me on it was yeah fun. thank you amy <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on the Story Form Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Bible Church in Jackson, you can visit us at fellowshipjackson.com. Join us next time as we enter into the story of others together.